got that blast beats and bikes down at McAllister College. I'm putting off of my city like she puts on nail polish. No way, go ahead. They on their wallets. They want it. They drink like alcoholics. Going in a bolus. I come through on the stage. No, I misbehave. I'm coming out the cage. Got a cover like rage. And if they want to come back, then they know that they heard it. Because when I got that energy, I'm going to disperse it. We coming at you. We coming at you. Chilling with my dogs, they call it a dog catcher. We coming at you. We coming at you. Chilling with my dogs, they call it a dog catcher. Last beats and bikes, say what they like. I'm out best. No wait, just like rifle, they grab the rifle, so insightful, come and go collect it. Cause they didn't know they bred farm and throw an interception. If they want to come with it, I spit it, I get specific, I get prolific. They are eclipsing, they miss it, I'm double fisting, I christen, I'm the given. It's God given, I'm coming to spit the sickness. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. With my dogs, they call in a dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they call in a dog catcher. Is this metal enough for the show yet, Jay? Calling a dog catcher. Listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've got a great metal hour here for you. Will Will Maravellis from Coffin Rot 1459 Studios in Plague of Stars is with us. Will, how are you? I'm well. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm here now. <laughs> Some traffic challenges getting in the way. Everybody forgot that 35W is closed, you know? Yeah. It's everybody forgets every other day. So. And yeah, I sat in the tunnel for 25 minutes. No big deal. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here, and uh, we're excited to uh, dig into a bunch of stuff. You guys had a show last night. Talk a little bit about what uh, what went down. Yeah, uh, one of my bands, Coffin Rod, uh, opened for the Mighty Nile. Nice. And the highly underrated Terrorizer last night. Um, Terrorizer is uh, features Pete Sandoval from 
uh, Morbid Angel. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who aren't familiar, be familiar. It is also uh, Jesse Pin- uh, Pintado also moved to uh, Napalm Death before he passed away. So Jesse and Pete started Terrorizer. Wow. Um, so I've been a fan of that band for a very long time. So very, very cool show. That's Got to great. Got with our friends uh, Glutton for Punishment and uh, Taking the Head of Goliath, too. So really, really a great show. That's a fierce bill, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of blast beats. <laughs> a lot of blast beats. <laughs> so uh, what tunes did you guys play? Uh, we played uh, we played a bunch of stuff off of our album. We only had a thirty minute set, okay. so we uh, we stuck to the we stuck to the one tuning, you know, no guitar changing type show. And, yep. Uh, we played uh, off our record Retribution Divine, the song Retribution Divine, mm-hmm. Mind Your Elders, uh, Barred from the Del- the Realms of Death Eternal, and uh, Arboreal Affliction, and then a new song that we've been uh, playing out for a couple shows, and I'll call Cryogenic Awakening. That'll be on our next record when we get around to doing that. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so when you have a chance to play with some of those bands that you've been following and been a fan of for years, what's, what, what do you feel like? I mean, what's it feel like to be on stage in front of those guys? It's cool. You know, it's I, I've been really fortunate over the years to be able to uh, play with a lot of a lot of my heroes growing up, if mm-hmm. you know, it's like I got to play with DSI and I got to play with Vital Remains. And wow. Now I've, I've played with Nile a couple of times and I played with Morbid Angel before mm-hmm. and and things like that. So it, it's really cool to be able to do that. And it, every every time you do it, it's it's really still cool because you feel like that 12 year old kid where you're <laughs> where you're like, oh, you know, I was, I was sitting I was sitting in the seat with the CD player, or the cassette player, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever band it was or whatever time period it was because I was right in the middle of that. Um, <laughs> and just being able to listen to all those bands and go, I'm meeting these people and I'm playing with yeah. and playing with them. And the funny thing is, the more and more you do it, the real, the more and more you realize they're just like all of us. Mm-hmm. They just love music and play music. And, you know, you're going to have your, you're going to have your one or two people who aren't super friendly and that sure. kind of thing. Yep. And, but for the most part, it's, everyone's pretty low key and pretty nice. And, you know, Pete was Pete was was friendly and that's great. That was very cool to be able to just say hello. Been a fan of yours for a long time. And yeah, smiled and said thanks, and that was our conversation for sure. the night. <laughs> is that the kind of thing you know? You guys have done some touring outside the outside the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are shows like this an opportunity for you to sort of network with those bands and maybe get on a tour that they're doing sometime down the road too? A lot of the um, I, yes and no. I mean, any any networking is good networking. Sure, and, and any opportunity you have to you know hand any anybody or music that has any kind of respect in the industry is mm-hmm. never a bad thing. Yep. And we know, we know a lot of times they just get tossed in the van and forgotten about, right. that's fine. We understand yep. that, but it's, it's one of those things where if you, you have that, that one serendipitous moment that maybe something will happen. Yeah. It's, it's just an opportunity and you, mm-hmm. you take that opportunity and you go after it and you do your best and yep. you try and be a professional and yeah. play your music the best you can and hope for the best. But at the end of the day, we play the music because we love it, and if people like it, then great. If it yeah. turns into something beyond that, even better. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, like you said, any networking is good networking, yeah. really. And if you get a chance to, you know, get a get a new fan out of the deal, yeah. and you know, I'm sure some of those opportunities too are are with fans, right? You get a you get a crowd who's coming for the headliner. Oh yeah, may not have heard of you before, may oh, yeah. not have heard much of your music, and you have a chance to really turn them into a fan of of Coffin Rod or your band. Right? Absolutely, it's the the biggest reason to do those big national shows is now you're on a national stage. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest reason to do it yep. because you're. You're, you know, if you go to a local show, which we play, you know, a significant amount of them, mm-hmm. if you go to a local show and you're playing with your friends, you're playing with a lot of, uh, 
you know, you're you're playing for a lot of that really core group of you know fifty to one hundred fifty people. You're who are kind of preaching to the choir, right? Yeah, and I mean, and I love those people, and, and and I appreciate those people, and it's amazing, and 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 they are they are the core of what uh, you know this music scene is being able to support local bands that will eventually go on and do something else like mm-hmm. you know after the burial or reaping asmodee or bands right. like that um y- you know it's those every great band starts as a local band yeah I could, right I, I could preach about that forever but <laughs> but the but the big thing with that is those people still go to the national shows too mm-hmm. um but there's definitely a group of people who don't go to local shows yep. they go to national shows and they go to big events, mm-hmm. and if your band happens to be playing on a big event, it's really shocking at these big shows that go, oh, cool, where are you guys from? How long you been on tour and things like that? And I'm right. like, we're from Minneapolis. We've yeah. been a band for three years. <laughs> you should come see us play here. And then people are surprised you're a local band, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is both awesome yep. and uh, also a little bit infuriating in its own way. <laughs> uh, right. but, it's, but but that's that's the way it is. And a lot of people just go to those big shows, and you mm-hmm. have that opportunity, like you're saying, to just meet those people and, and go, yeah, come be a part of the local scene. There's yeah. a lot of great local bands. Absolutely. And then, you, and then you go, hey, you know the band Glutton for Punishment's on right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know where they're from? <laughs> Minneapolis. They're also local. And yeah. Like, what? You know? So, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great opportunity. And a lot of people don't necessarily come out to see the local music no, because they have that sort of perception of local music being local and maybe not quite as sure. good a quality. But sure. um, when you do have those chances to be on those big bills, you know, you can Absolutely. really prove your prove your metal, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> we try. We try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been making music yourself? All right. I'm going to date myself. Um, I, I'm 36 years old. Um, <laughs> I have been playing in bands since I was 10 years old. Wow. Um, and I have been pretty steadily in some sort of band, if not multiple bands that entire time. No kidding. Um, yeah, the first band I was in was terrible. Um, <laughs> and, but we all were figuring out how to play our instruments. Right. Um, but, uh, but that was half the fun. I yeah. think, I think the longest break I think I've ever taken from not playing a live show was maybe like two months, three months. Is that right? Yeah, it's I've always had something going on. That's fantastic. And when like my bands were on hold or were on a break for various reasons, I'd Mm -hmm. fill in for other bands and things like that. I I don't know. I just, I stay busy. I like it. That's great. What, What was the name of your first band? Oh man, I don't even have to remember. <laughs> I know our record. I know our, our our cassette tape that we recorded on a boombox, you know, in the basement of my nice. mom's house. Uh, I remember. I remember the tape was called Epiglottis, but I can't remember the name of the band <laughs> because we thought that word was funny. We heard it in science class when we were children. You know, that's great. So, I mean, Fifth I, graders, Epiglottis. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it sounds cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. We sound like this still, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it gives a whole new meaning to death growl, right? Yeah, yeah it totally does. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so, uh, you know, as you grew and as you, you know, played with different people, you obviously started to develop a musical style. What would you say is your personal style and, and how did that grow? That's a great question. Um, I, I kind of always say that I learned how to play guitar uh, playing like, like the thrash metal that yep. I grew up on. Um, what made me want to start playing guitar was seeing Steve Ray Vaughan on Austin City Limits. Really? And it was just, just watching Austin City Limits. I always, I always appreciated my music. When I traveled with my dad, he'd play a lot of cassette tapes on the road and Mm -hmm. things like that. And it discovered a lot of great music that way. And like Black Sabbath was the first metal band I ever Mm -hmm. heard. 
um, which still to this day is my favorite band. Um, but Stevie Ray Vaughan was, I, I was just watching Austin City Limits one night and mm-hmm. just watching that guy just play just made me go, I want to do that. Wow. And and I just knew that I wanted to do that. And so I fell in love with blues music, which then went to rock and roll mm-hmm. and then went to to metal. Yep. But I really, really learned how to play guitar when I started listening to thrash metal mm-hmm. and mainly Slayer, to Interesting. be honest. Yep. Um, it was... Slayer was one of those bands where I'm like, oh, I can play those riffs. Yep. And that just was in my brain the whole time. Wow. And I just was like, I, I think the first Slayer song I learned was Seasons in the Abyss, the wow. song. Jeez. Um, and I, I never learned solos. I just always learned the rhythm. So my drummer from my band, uh, Plague of Stars, Aaron, always talks about how I have like the right hand of Hetfield. And I'm like, nah, it's the right <laughs> hand of Hanneman. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you think about, you know, you mentioned you, you've always played the riffs and not the, not the solos. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like there's a very different mentality between a lead guitarist and a rhythm guitarist. Yeah, I think so. The, um, like Eric and uh, Eric and Coffinrod is definitely a lead guitar player. Yeah, um, he's a fantastic rhythm player too. But his his ability to write an actual solo and construct a solo is mm-hmm. is just something that my brain's never been able to to wrap a head around my head around. But when he goes, yeah, he doesn't really. When he writes songs or he writes riffs, he always goes, "Well, I need your help doing that." So yeah. it's just a different skill set. I focused on the songwriting side of thing, which mm-hmm. never felt like I need to practice scales. He was always practicing scales. Right. And and didn't really ever focus on the songwriting. Yeah. Thing. And that's why we complement each other in that band. So it's uh you know sometimes people I've I've heard people talk about, you know, do you want to play a song, mm-hmm. tell a story that way, or do you want to play a solo mm-hmm. and kind of tell a story that way? Yeah. I mean, it's a very different way to think about how you incorporate the guitar in the in the song, right? Absolutely. And both are incredibly important. You it's, bet it's you know I'll give the example of like Joe Satriani, you know, where it's like that guy could play circles around me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I loved listening to Joe play in his rock band Chicken Foot. Yeah. Because I actually got to hear him write songs. Then yeah. Instead of just, hey, I'm going to play a solo for three and a half minutes. I love Chicken Foot. Yeah, I do, too. They were super underrated. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. That I've heard... one album is great. And you can yeah. find it in a two dollar bin somewhere. I know. And yeah. it's really good. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have heard that they might be trying to put together a new, a new be, record. That would be great. It'd be really fun. Yeah, they were. They were and are a great band. If yeah. They decide to do it. So. Yep. Uh, a while ago on Facebook, you posted a comment. You were, I think it was one of those 10 albums that were influential to you. Oh, sure. Um, <clears throat> kind of exercises on, on Facebook. And, and you made a comment that I wanted to k- dig into a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You said uh, something to the effect of everybody comes to heavy metal from a place of, of anger, I think. Or I can't remember exact words used, but it was basically like sure. everybody's mad mm-hmm. that comes to heavy metal. And I was sort of curious to, to poke, poke into that a little bit with you. Yeah, the, uh, the the old phrase I've been using for many years was nobody comes to metal on a winning streak. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. The, uh, I've, been, I've been using that one for a long time. And, y- you know, I think everybody, uh, you know, every... Every generation kind of has its has its own uh, its own challenges, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's unique to my parents or their parents or you know my kids eventually or anything right. like that. Every generation is going to have its own set of challenges, mm-hmm. and when you're in when you're like an angsty teenager or <laughs> you know that kind of situation, it's that's. 
that's what kind of brought me to metal and i'm not going to get too deep into into it but <laughs> we're uh, not going to psychoanalyze uh, yeah we're not right. we're not going to do that but <laughs> but let you know it's like uh let, let's just say that i grew up catholic and i'm not anymore <laughs> and um and you know i always kind of like joked about yeah here comes the penguins with the rulers and uh that's that's what kind of brought me to heavy metal was, yep. <laughs> was that whole aspect of things yep. um it, it's it's that just a psychological like rebellion as a child and it sticks with you to some degree yeah. and depending on how you grow up and what mm-hmm. you deal with like i struggled with drugs a lot when i was younger mm-hmm. and and things like that and and people could argue well that lifestyle brought you into that lifestyle which was associated with the music or vice versa and my whole thought process is when that music kept me alive interesting you know? yeah um, it's wow. that's the kind of stuff that that's the music that brought me out of the darkness wow you know and there's been a ton of studies that people that listen to metal aren't listening to metal to be sad or to be depressed. They're listening to metal to deal with, right? you know, uh, uh, deal with their own, you know, uh, cope. it's like a coping mechanism. Yeah. Almost. Um, I mean, the, uh, the word catharsis gets thrown yeah, around a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. It, it, you're that, that whole exercise made me think about, you know, how I got started in metal and, and my first record ever was destroyer by kiss. Sure. And sure. I was an ACE fanatic sure. ever since then. And so, you know, as a third grader, that's like, it's ki- kind of comic booky, you know I mean? They were totally. very much comic booky at that point. But it was the guar in the seventies. It was, yeah. it very much yeah. was. Yeah. And, uh, but it led me down that path of exploring other stuff and then I started you know my first concert was Priest when I was a sophomore in high school and that was just like eye opening you yeah. know I and mean, that was just amazing and so to me there was uh, there was a lot of that rebellion and frustration and I found like real benefit in the lyrics that you know Priest was fighting against the man and yep. Iron Maiden with you know sort of all of their war lyrics and all those kinds of things I mean it was really a lot of that stuff for for me absolutely and and it was and a lot of those bands like uh, you know speaking of like judas priest and we've talked about black sabbath and mm-hmm. you're talking about iron maiden it was it was always really cool because i'd find myself going oh if i'm really angry today i'm going to listen to slayer or yep. if it's like you know today i'm in a pretty good mood and i just want to listen to something that's going to be uplifting i'm going to listen to iron maiden right you know it's like oh today i'm not really sure i'm going to listen to judas priest because you might get both ends of the spectrum on <laughs> right. the screaming for vengeance record that's you know? right depends on which record it <laughs> yeah. is yeah, yeah it just depends on which one you're listening to yeah. um but yeah it's it's the the whole the whole cathartic experience of of music whether it's metal or whether it's punk rock mm-hmm. or whether it's hip-hop or whatever it's you know music speaks to people and as as long as the music that you enjoy is speaking to you then yeah by all means absolutely you know, go support it yeah <laughs> you know go yep. to a show buy a shirt <laughs> help out <laughs> you you've obviously built uh music into a into a pretty solid career both on the performance side as well as on the production side you're 14 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're one of, one of the few that can claim that right yeah shockingly <laughs> and, and you know you've got a lot of big things coming up with 1459 studios talk a little bit about what you're doing with the new space uh, yeah the um so 1459 has been around for uh it's 10 11 years i have to actually like think about it um long time um uh, so we i started that with uh, my friend zach who's in uh a uh, great great local band um it's uh, burden of the wretched is the name of the band hmm. they're pretty awesome um they used to be called andraste's rage also a oh, yeah. band but mm-hmm. uh good dudes um great band but i started that with zach many many years ago and uh we uh, have been in a couple locations. I'm about to move into the third location. Cool. Um, 
the it's uh it's near the hexagon bar if anybody knows where that is mm-hmm. um 26th and what is that 26th 26th and 27th i think yeah. is the corner of yeah. the, is is the corner where it's on um but I'm going to have, I have right now in my current space, I've always had rehearsal studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, for ease with my own band. Sure. Um, but also to honestly pay the overhead. Yeah. It's going, okay, I can, I can rent this large space and I can make sure my band has a space to, uh, you know, rehearse. Yep. I can have my recording studio and I can rent to some of my friends to help us all pay mm-hmm. the overhead. It keeps the spaces cheap. Everybody knows each other, blah, blah, blah. It's that's great. great. Um, and that's been the business model for the better part of, you know, 11, 11, 10 years yeah. now. Wow. And um, uh, last year I kind of looked at the business and when I need to take another step. So I started mm. looking and going, I want to grow the rehearsal side of the business, so I needed a lot more space. Mm-hmm. So I was looking into possibly renting. I was looking into possibly buying, mm-hmm. um, and I was really just exploring that option and saying, "Okay, what's what's next?" But it, instead of having four spaces like I have now, I was looking at having ten plus. Wow! Um, so significant upgrade. But yeah. I also wanted to be have have my recording studio mm-hmm. in there. Um, so I've been looking pretty solidly for about a year. And looked at a bunch of different situations, uh, figured out that rental was kind of the way to do it at the mm-hmm. moment just because of uh, the wonderful world of banking and credit. Yeah, and that kind of right. Thing. And, and I didn't really want to take a big balloon business loan and, yeah. and all that. Um, but I was looking around and I, I made a phone call to a, uh, a Craigslist posting and uh, of all places. <laughs> and uh, the, the Craigslist posting, I was, I was talking to a, a, a nice young lady. Her name is Nicole. And... Uh, had no idea that uh, she actually was the assistant for an investor. Oh, wow. Um, so the person that owned the building is uh, is an investor. His family has multiple properties across the city. Okay. And I uh, met with him and explained my um, kind of my business model that's worked for all these years. And he goes, I think I have a place where this can be. And hmm. within like within an hour, we went to go look at this new location. And he goes, so what do you think? Do you think that we can spend we can spend some money on this thing and make it happen? And I'm like yeah let's do it we've been talking about it for about six months and it's getting built right now i'm going there after this just to see where construction's at that's fantastic 21 rehearsal spaces not 21 21 wow um so from four to 21 um so and then my studio is going to triple in size as well so it's it's going to be a pretty big operation i'm sticking a lot of a lot of money into the build out and he's sticking a lot more into the build out mm-hmm. um it's it's gonna be pretty crazy That's we're probably great. gonna rebrand the rehearsal but 1459 is always gonna be the name of the yeah. studio well so. and i know you i've seen uh some things that you, it looks like january is already full in terms January's of your schedule yep. that's great yep. how uh how are things going booking the rehearsal space I have a I have quite the waiting list. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've been cuz I've been cultivating it over for over a year and mm-hmm. just with knowing people from bands and knowing people from, you know, the city and the music mm-hmm. scene and from, you know, I worked for Guitar Center for a long time, so yeah. I have a lot of musical contacts. Um my I think my waiting list is like 40 or 50 bands at this point. Oh, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm going to be full and I'm going to stay full. Wow. Um but if anybody's looking for rehearsal space, hit me up and I'll get you on that list. That's fantastic. It's the natural order of music is sure. always changing. So. Yep. yep. So do you have a long-term contract with people? Is it an hour, hour at a time kind of thing? Or how do you manage that 
lease or that that rental for the rehearsal side yeah um i've done everybody that i've ever rented to previously has always been month to month because a lot of these people i know and it's easy to manage month to month when you have four clients yep right i mean at the end of the day it's it's not that hard to go oh i haven't gotten paid rent by these three people right and i'm not a i'm not a i'm (laughs) the simothwa guys who practice there just like (laughs) hey did you grab rent yet and i look at my watch and i'm like oh it's a tenth i probably should you know (laughs) it's not like i'm not like i'm banging down people's doors and being like where's my money foo you know right Um, (laughs) it's not like that kind of situation but it's it's just one of those things where it's a lot easier to do that when you have that small yeah um my goal with the new spot is to do like short-term leases Mm -hmm. like you know can do month to month or we can do uh, you know, three month or a six month, and I figure if people want to sign a longer lease, I'll give them a discount. That That's, kind of thing, yeah. just to, so I so I know the space is full. Kind That's of situation. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so as you think about the recording side, obviously mm-hmm. it was such a huge increase in space. What's that yeah. going to do for you? What are, what what kind of new capabilities are you going to be able to offer to bands? Uh, well, I could actually record a, I could pretty easily record now in this new space. I'm thinking like a 14 or 15 piece orchestra if I wanted to. No kidding. Um, because I'll have the, I'll have the space to be able to do so. That's great. Um, so, I mean, most of the time I'm doing three, four five piece rock bands. Sure. That's my bread and butter and yep. probably always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if a choir wanted to record, I could accommodate mm-hmm. that now I have the space for it. Yeah. Um, which, or, I've, which I've actually done before, wow. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but it's one of those things where uh, it's going to be really nice to be able to offer that. I can offer live recording a much mm-hmm. much easier. So if a band wants to come in and do a quick demo, mm-hmm. I have room for everybody in a room versus trying to figure out where all the amps are going to go so right. that we're not all bleeding like crazy. <laughs> um, it, it's just it's just like the little things like that yeah. where in my current space I'm going yeah I can make it work but for this new space I can be like well I can make it work easily. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know that's that's the goal. Do you feel like there's a 1459 sound? Yeah, I do. Um, and and the reason I think that is because other people have pointed it out to me. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things where I don't really think about it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like a lot of great engineers, and I'm not a great engineer. I'm just a guy. But it's like a, a lot of a lot of great engineers definitely have like a specific sound, like. You know, I used to be able to flip around a record and go, if Terry Date produced it, I'm probably going to love this record. You yeah. Know? Um, or if Chris Lord Alge produced this record, it's mm-hmm. probably going to sound amazing. You might mm-hmm. not necessarily like the band because he, you know, does so many different styles of music. Right. Um, but it, it's those guys certainly have their sound. And the big thing that I guess uh, that I guess I have, I think, is that kind of produced organic sound hmm. or it's not the um it, it's not like the completely quantized perfect drums kind right, of thing I'm, right. I'm much more of the play it or don't type of person versus the, i'll fix it in the mix kind of guy you know <laughs> um that's that's kind of more my style yeah um so i just always try and call i've so i've just called it just you know produce raw produced organic organic mm-hmm. or whatever i'm like it's like the band having a really great sounding, well produced live show is kind of the goal of my records. Yeah. So. It's interesting. You know, you always hear stories of bands who are mad at the producer or the engineers because mm-hmm. they overproduced it or underproduced it or screwed up something in the mix. And yep. it's interesting to me to understand kind of where's the balance in what the band is doing and what the producer engineer is doing. And it sounds like in your case, mm-hmm. it's a lot of just let the band roll kind of thing and help them be the best sound they can it is and i i also do a lot of vetting of, of bands and and thankfully i'm at it i'm at a 
time in my career, um, air quotes, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that I can. Um, it, it's really nice to be able to go, this is a band that I would like to work with. This yeah. is a band that I think I could actually do something with. Um, be just just in the nature of having a simple conversation mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot of great bands in town and i'm not i'm not gonna you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna be professional and leave leave names <laughs> out of it but um there's a lot of great bands in town that i that we've talked before about recording mm-hmm. and i've i've honestly just said i don't know if i'm your guy because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the times they're looking for that quantized grid aligned kind of perfect drum right. performance. Yeah. Click track. And, yeah. Yep. And I mean, and I recorded the click track, it's a great tool mm-hmm. and it's just like any, it's a tool in your toolbox, sure. you know, use it, that kind of thing or don't, but, yep. um, it, it just depends on what's going to make the great, re- the, mm-hmm. the, the, the best record right. you know, for that band. Yep. Um, but if there's a band that I'm talking with and they kind of give me that vibe and they want things to be perfect, mm-hmm. it's that's that's a band I typically don't want to work with. And it yeah. has nothing to do with the fact that I don't want records to be great or I don't want them to be the best they can. Sure. But when I'm having a conversation, the word perfect keeps coming up. That's a hint. That's that's a hint for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. It's it's going. So if you want to record with me, don't use the word perfect because that's <laughs> that's a light bulb for me. Um, but uh, but that whole thing is is just going. Look, you know, there's there is there is bad. There's good. There's great. And mm-hmm. there's exceptional. There's yeah. no perfect. Right. You know, there's like like George Colias from Nile. It's like he's an exceptional drummer. Mm-hmm. You know that that guy is a that guy is a different level of yep. talent. Yep. Um. You know, whereas. Whereas maybe, uh, you know, a drummer who's been playing for four or five years and this is his third band, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's good to great. It's like, sure. that's, that's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. But if you're sitting there listening to George Colias that he'd been playing drums for four years mm-hmm. and you want your record to sound like that. Sorry, brother. <laughs> sorry, brother. That yeah. ain't going to happen. Right. You know, you yeah. got to woodshed a little more. You there know? you go. You got work to do. Yeah. Yep. And so it's, so it's at that point, it's like, well, make me sound like that. It's like, no, <laughs> no, I won't because I'm not going to spend that much time grid aligning your kid. Yeah. Not, right. You know, so obviously you're a very accomplished musician, songwriter in your own right. How often do you get brought in to work with bands on that side? As you start to work on recording their stuff, I mean, do they bring you in and ask for help with arrangements and things like that? You know, the, not really. Um, it, most of the time, especially with metal music, which is the majority of, of yeah. the the stuff I do, and and I love metal music and I appreciate it. It's mm-hmm. built my studio. There's mm-hmm. no question of that. Um, but uh, when a metal band comes in, it's they've pretty much already got the song the way they want it. Yep, and. I'm the same way when I bring my songs to a studio. It's just I don't have to argue with anybody because it's me. Um, <laughs> I argue with my band when we're in the rehearsal space, and then by the time we get there, it's it's like already decided. You got it dialed in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the so I, I don't really get super involved in the songwriting aspect, like the arrangement aspect of right. things. Um, and I try to stay out of that unless bands really want me to be involved, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't happen very much. Yeah. Um, as far as where I really get involved is the production side of things. So I'm more of that kind of a producer sure. where it's like, okay, well, what can we do to 
add some flavor to this. So mm-hmm. is it is it some vocal effects, or is it we do a quick little guitar run, or is there, right. or are we gonna add like sounds of thunder, or you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like when I'm doing a Thor record, you know, yep. it's like power metal. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's just like it, it's it's that kind of stuff. Sure. Where you go, where, where you go. Okay, what can we do to kind of make this sound like a studio record? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the goal is to make you sound like a really good live band you know in the studio but at the same time you're in a studio you so want let's, that polish and... let's let's take it let's take a little bit of advantage of it without getting nuts yeah you know can you reproduce this live maybe you won't have those four vocal layers sure yep but it's still your song yeah this the 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 meat and the potatoes is still the song mm-hmm. you know yeah that's uh it's always an interesting thing to to see because i think leaving those couple of things out in the live show often makes the live experience that much more unique, right? Because right. it's a different take on the song right. that you can't do in a studio. There's just no way to, to recreate that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, and a lot of bands, you know, I always, I always kind of like, Oh, I have coffin rot, which is my, my raw, super death metal band. Yep. And, you know, we don't play live with quick tracks and yeah. we, we just go out there and just thrash. And then I have my other band, Plague of Stars, that plays with quick tracks mm-hmm. and we have backing tracks. And yeah. It's a lot more complicated and Melissa paints my face every show. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it looks good on you, too. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> she she the first time she did it, she goes, where she just decided it's like anybody who if <laughs> Melissa's listening, I, she'll be laughing right now. But Melissa is the boss in that band because I'm the boss in the other band. Yep. So I'm like, I can't do it in two. Melissa's in charge. Um but so Melissa just decided at a show, she goes, we're doing face makeup today. I brought a makeup kit. We're doing it. And I'm sitting here going like, I don't really want to argue with you. Fine. And now we're doing it every show. And I'm going, oh, man, I should have said something. <laughs> what did I get myself into? Yeah, so so now I'm the, so now I always joke I'm the St. Bernard in the band. And that's 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 the that's my look. So that's just my. She goes, what do you want to look like? I'm like, I have no time to think about this. <laughs> right. I, I didn't I didn't wake up this morning and go, man, I think Melissa's <laughs> going to say, let's wear makeup today. What do I want to look like if she asked me? You know, let's just make me look like a St. Bernard because I like because I have a dog. And that's that's as <laughs> that's far as it great. went. So. <laughs> that's great. So you didn't go with the full King Diamond approach or anything no, like that? No, no, no. <laughs> that would be way too much. It's hard enough to watch to wash that uh, schmutz off your eye. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you had a chance to work with Terry Katzman. Um, yes. A lot of people uh, have heard, of course, that he passed away recently. Yes. Um, big loss for the Twin Cities uh, community. Absolutely Talk a little huge. bit about what it was like for you to work with him. Oh, man. Terry uh, Terry was a, uh, a more than a more than a, 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 a I guess, work mm-hmm. relationship for me. Uh, Terry and I became friends immediately. Hmm. Um, he he was that kind of person. Um it was shocking when I got the text from uh, Mark, who's one of my clients, mm-hmm. uh, last week when he's like, "Yeah, Terry passed away while he's in California," and I'm mm. like, "What?" It, yeah. it, it it hit us all like a ton of bricks. I bet. Um, you know, I mean, Terry was I mean, Terry was 64. He was older, but at the same time, it's not like that he's old. not. The, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I was going. That just didn't seem right. Right. Um, the, the, the crazy thing about that is, is today I'm actually going to do the Grand Machines uh, CD release or vinyl release show, rather. Um, after this show, I'm, wow. going, I'm going to run sound for Terry. Wow. Um, which is a record that him and I finished earlier this year. Wow. Um, so I've done four records with Terry now, hmm. um, and that will be it. We were talking about several more. Wow. Um, so I don't, I've already talked to those bands, and I'm going to try and pick up that torch but i i don't 
I don't really know how effectively anybody could. Um, so it's tough to replicate that kind yeah. of talent and skill and experience. Yeah. The guy was just, I mean, he's been a Minneapolis staple forever. I mean, he, he works at First Avenue and at mm-hmm. 7th Street and, you know, had a ton of recording experience with bands for the last, you know, 40 years. Yeah. Um, you know, Husker Du and the mm-hmm. replacements and, well, you know, Paul Westerberg. And mm-hmm. it's just that guy was just known for going, this is the next great rock and roll yeah. band from the Twin Cities. And he would just push them. Yeah. I mean, he was so influential with with Husker Du and getting them oh, started yeah. in the replacements. And yeah. there's a tenuous uh, Husker Du connection, yeah. not so tenuous, to, to McAllister. Bob Mould actually lived up above this studio. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he was uh, he was here for two years, I think, hmm. 80, no, 81, 79 to 81 or something like that. Sure. So, yeah. Anyway, there's a... I did not know that. Yeah. But I'm not surprised either. <laughs> you know? they, they met, uh, was it Corey or Grant that worked over at... Uh, uh, cheapo records. I think it was, it was Grant. I think that's right. I think it was I think Grant. That's right. There. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. The um, I, I got to I, I met I met Bob once hmm. through Terry, mm-hmm. and it was very nice, very friendly. Again, kind of just in passing, not sure. like a not like a lengthy conversation. Right. Just just kind of really cool to be able to you know have that kind of have that Minneapolis connection yeah. now because I am a transplant. I've lived here for you know thirteen years mm-hmm. and. I'm not originally from here, and Terry was one of those guys who, I guess, invited me into that side of the music. Yeah, because um, the metal scene was always, you know, was always kind of where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Terry kind of gave me some um, a lot of support. That's great uh, on that side, and it's it's pretty crazy. It's it's going to be it's going to. I'm really excited for the Grand Machine to finally put this record out. It's mm-hmm. it's great, and it's it's a wonderful record, and. This is my, this is my third record with the band or wow. second. I've done two with Terry. Yeah, this is Fun. my third with the band. So yeah. because and this would be so it's, and I was like sitting here and going, man, this is my first vinyl, and then yeah. I, you know, that I've like ever because, you know, I've worked on vinyl records, but this was like the first one that was like this one's mine. Yeah, you know, where I've done everything mm-hmm. from. You know, I mixed in Paler's record, but that was done at First Avenue right. and, and and things like that. And I, you know, did a seven inch split with them and Rip Snorter. Mm-hmm. I did their songs, but not Rip Snorters. Okay. So it was like, this was the first one. It's like, this one's mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's. Bittersweet, it, it, I'm sure. It's going to be a very, it's going to be a tough day. Yeah. It, it's going to be a great day, but it's going to be a tough day mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I'm sure as many of the people in the community are feeling it's, you know, where our hearts going out to you. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people that Terry touched, and I think that just speaks to, I think that just speaks to him mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. So yeah, he will be missed greatly. Indeed. In case you're just joining us, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota, here in studio with Will Maravellis from uh, 1459 Studios and a local band known as Coffin Rot. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, that band as we go through the next half hour, I guess about 20 minutes. Jeez, we've really blown through this this time together. We're talkers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I want to just kind of read an announcement here. This is actually a story in the newspaper. Uh, today about what was going on in McAllister. Um, there's a special issue of the Mac Weekly that came out uh, all about Colonial McAllister. Um, I think that's still available out on campus. And one of the things that came out of that is they have re- they've agreed the president of the school just announced that they're going to be renaming one of the uh, uh, academic halls 
that was named after the founder of the the campus or the school or the first president, I should say, who apparently was uh, quite the impressive racist. Hmm. Um, and so they have uh, the students banded together to get uh, to get that changed. And so the president uh, announced yesterday that they were going to make that change. So anyway, uh, I think that's still around out on campus and people can, should check out that uh, that issue of the Mac Weekly uh, newspaper. So, uh, Will Coffinrot, uh, mm-hmm. if you had to describe it in three words, what would they be? I'll go with two. <laughs> Death metal. <laughs> okay. That's about as clear and concise as you can possibly yeah. get. Yeah. You guys have been around for about three years now. Yes. Um, how did you initially come together? Um, when uh, my previous band, um, We Are Legion, uh, decided to take a break at that time, which event, which actually ended up being our uh, demise, <laughs> to be to be frank. Um, and I still love all those guys. It's uh, it, Al and Neil, both playing Mastiff, who I'm doing their next record. And Al's nice. also going for Punishment, who I record and play with regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron and I playing Plague of Stars together still. Mm-hmm. Aaron and Paul playing a great band called uh, Isolic together. Mm-hmm. They practice in our space. We're, cool. we're, we're very, we're very much still a family, but. Um, the, the, we are Legion, uh, ended up, uh, calling it a day, uh, about three and a half years ago. Hmm. And, um, Eric Zydek, our guitar player, uh, in Coffin Rot, uh, he had talked to me, uh, quite a bit. He was a fan of We Are Legion and we've been friends forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we played in a band previously with Aaron Lonick, um, called, uh, and hope to die many, many moons ago, back in college when we were in college. And uh, Eric was divorced at the time. Well, he's still divorced. He's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's still divorced. <laughs> but uh, he was he was he had just cleared up his divorce. And he goes, I want to I want to get back into playing music. I mm. miss it. If I play with anybody, I want to play with you. So if you ever are in a situation where you're looking to do a new band, please call me. I'd love to yeah. I'd love to jam with you again. It's been a long time. Cool. We've been friends the whole time. And yeah. And uh, and I said, yeah, let's let's do that. And so the first person I called was Eric hmm. when because when we are, we are Legion kind of said, okay, we're going to take a break, I wanted to still do music. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure if it was going to be a side project or if it was going to be like a main thing. I really didn't know at that time. But right. I, just, I called Eric and I said, hey, I, I want to start a new group. Are you interested? And he's like, you mean, yeah. I mean, there, was, there was no conversation. It's like, cool, we're going to do this now. That's great. Um, we reached out to our mutual friend, uh, Tom Tier, our drummer, who's a beast, beast of a drummer. <laughs> um. Tom is in has kind of always been in like four or five bands at a time, which mm-hmm. is pretty standard for drummers. It's just you're always in nine bands. Yeah. Um, but he was in a ton of bands and he had expressed interest to me over the years at shows going, hey, you know, I'm all, I'm playing in all these punk bands and hardcore bands. He grew up on the East Coast, so mm-hmm. he's, he's a hardcore kid at heart sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he goes, yeah, it's I'd like to. I'd like to do like an actual metal band. Hmm. So if you ever need a drummer, please call me. Cool. Um, and kind of the joke always was I'd been playing with Aaron since I was like 13 on and off in bands. He goes, you'll never need me because you're always going to have Aaron. Because um, Aaron was in We Were right, Legion. Right, Aaron's right. in Plague of Stars yep, and that yep. kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, no, nah, you know, it's like at some point I'm going to need a change, I'm sure. You yeah. Know? Um, but so I, we, we called Tom and Eric and I shared a space with Tom's old band, um, you know, back then. So Eric knew Tom. So it was, it was very, uh, very, uh, you know, uh, simple, felt yeah. very organic, very, yeah. very natural. And the three of us just started jamming and we're like, okay, cool. We're going to jam. Yeah. And we are, so we asked our friend Sam to play bass. 
um sam's awesome but it just didn't work out it just wasn't a good fit scheduling wise and things like that mm-hmm. or what we wanted was different and that's yep. okay yep um so it didn't work out so we basically just kind of chugged along as a three-piece we talked about me doing vocals hmm. um we had some friends come in and do vocals and and just kind of we're going all right we're gonna just we're just gonna find we're just gonna find the people i want to play guitar so i'm not gonna do vocals or yeah. anything and um i mean i do vocals but i'm right. not the main guy yeah um uh, so anyway, we just decided that we're gonna. After about a six months or so of jamming, we're like, well, let's 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 kind of finalize the lineup. Yeah. So I asked my friend uh, Casey Harris, um, our bass player, and who was in Echoes of the Fallen at the time, and uh, and is in the great rock and roll band Leveled too. Hmm. Very different than Coffin Rod. Very good. I'm recording that record right now. Cool. Um, but uh, those guys. So I asked Casey, and I said, hey, are you have any interest in in doing another band? Mm-hmm. And and he was like, with who? And I'm like, with me and Eric. Yeah. And, and he goes, yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, now we have a bass player. And we didn't really know what to do with vocals. So we, we were just kind of going, well, we asked kind of all of our quote-unquote friends. Yeah. Um, which they are friends. But, yep. the, uh, you know, we asked a bunch of people that we just kind of knew, and it just wasn't the right fit. And, uh, and we just, so I put up an ad on the old wonderful world of social media. No and just, kidding. And just said... We're looking for a we're looking for a vocalist. This wow. is the kind of bands we're into. This is the kind of thing we do. And I knew Drew a little bit from okay. the music scene, not yep. super well. Yep. Um, but uh, he was always in black metal bands. Interesting. So I never thought of him as for like for this band. I mean, I love black metal. Yep. And, but I never thought of him for this band because he was always doing the higher registers. Right. And uh, and so he hit me up and he goes, "Hey, I'd love to come try out for your band." Cool. And I'm like okay come on down and yeah. he showed up with lyrics written to two demo songs like the first day wow and i'm going this is not what i'm used to yeah at all that's great. um and we we kind of did two or three more jams with him just to make sure it kind of felt right because at the end of the day he was the new guy out of all of us yep um and it, it felt good it felt natural and you know he's he's acclimated incredibly incredibly well and i mean he's always been in bands it's not like this was his first band or right anything, but right it just was. Uh, it just. It just kind of felt right. And that's great. That's how the band started. Cool. Well, I, I've got a bunch of songs that you suggested that we play, and sure. I, w- I want to get to a couple of them at least. Yeah. Um, this first one that we're going to listen to is is uh, "Mind Your Elders." All right. And uh, I want to ask you some questions at, on the back end, but uh, kind of talk us through how the song create was created and and what the vision was behind it. So this song was. Um, this song was uh, one of our earlier songs. I think this was our fourth. Fourth song that we wrote maybe third okay um but it was eric's uh kind of like first contribution to the band mm-hmm. as far as like a song right um he always wrote other riffs and that whole idea but mm-hmm. uh, this one was definitely more of a song and he had the riffs me and him put it together in in my uh in my studio and uh, uh did the whole uh, did the whole song and threw it at drew and drew wrote lyrics for both of us wow for the song he goes will i want to have you do this here and will and do this cool. here and that whole thing so it was kind of like the first song that like all of us you know first or second song where all of us were mm-hmm. involved because the first two songs nature of the beast and barred from the realms of death eternal uh <laughs> we wrote those all before casey and and yeah. drew were even in the room wow. so this was the, like first or second song that we all kind of wrote together yep. so it's become one of our favorites we haven't played a show without playing the song yet i think wow so all right well let's give a listen to mind your elders by coffin rot
As you teed that song up for us, you specifically called yourselves a death metal band. Right. But there's a lot of other stuff happening in there sprinkled in amongst that core death metal sound. Sure. What kinds of, are you specifically trying to bring those other influences? I mean, like you talked about Drew's sort of black metal vocal stylings. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blast beats and thrash feel to that song. Talk a little bit about how you guys built that sound for Coffin Rod. Sure. And that's one of the reasons that I always say when people go describe your band, I always go death metal. And the reason <laughs> that I always say that is because that's really the only way I know how to describe it. Because there's punk, there's metal, yep. there's hardcore there's definitely black metal mm-hmm. um there's definitely thrash but because people get so in my opinion people get so worked up about genre specifics yeah. i try not to get too involved in that i just go there i can definitely tell you we're a death metal band mm-hmm. beyond that you guys can subdivide Let's all sort it you out yourselves yeah so i'm just going like you know tom's got a hardcore punk background mm-hmm. you know i've got a I, you know eric is a thrash thrash kid for yep. sure I like brutal death metal um, and all those other things. Yep. Drew came from black metal. Casey came from rock and roll. Right. You know, so it's, there's all that vibe. So we're all bringing, I guess, there's melody. There's, mm-hmm. there. it's, we're trying to, I guess, be musical while still being extreme, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. So. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, not just technical musicality, but there's a lot of really solid metal melody lines throughout all those songs. And Thank you. And you saw it. And in uh, Mind Your Elders uh, mm-hmm. in particular, I saw there's a really nice f- flow through line in that, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Eric is a uh, incredible, incredible riff writer. That's uh, it's my it's my job to uh, take his riffs and go. Let's make this into a song. <laughs> so we're a good team. <laughs> you uh, lyrically, there's a lot of uh, macabre going on there. Obviously, that's kind of a foundation of death metal. But it mm-hmm. feels like. You know, especially on a couple of the other songs uh, that you suggest we play, Divine Retribution is is one of them where there's almost like a black metal occult style sort of feel to the lyrics. How do you guys work together on those lyrics and what's your, so do you have a vision for the band lyrically? I think for when, when Drew and I, when, when Drew joined the band, he kind of said, well, what's what's like off limits mm-hmm. um, as far as as far as topic tree? And we never said anything was off limits. We just kind of said, look, we want to be a band that hopefully people like for whatever reason they mm-hmm. like us. Yep. So we try and avoid a lot of the hot button topics. We, you know, we don't try and be overtly, um, you know, overtly one direction or the other politically. Yep. Or, you know, we try and stay out of the religious upside down cross 666 blah, blah. <laughs> and like, you know, dude, Slayer did that already. Right. It's yeah. like, and so many other bands have too. That box has been checked. Yeah. I'm like, it, it, there's, at this point, it's, it's, it's like, you know, King Diamond already did it, and he did it better than everybody. Yep. So leave it alone, right? Um, so you know, so we don't we don't really say that we won't ever write about those things, but 
Drew was like, so you're saying I can write a bunch of songs about mythology and like monsters and weird like scientific experiments. And I'm like, that would be awesome, actually. Um, And that just comes from the band death. Yeah. Um, You know, it's him and him and I are just gigantic death fans. Cool. Band. Yeah. And that was always kind of their topics is they never really, um, you know, they never seem to quote unquote take sides on things they right. would always just go you know hey the world's really screwed up mm-hmm. let's talk about the world being screwed up yeah right and uh, yeah i think that's i guess if there's a lyrical theme and with the new stuff we're writing i would say that that's that's kind of sticking true to that so yeah if you think coffin rod i guess it's you know big scary monsters and you know <laughs> the world being screwed up talk about <laughs> the new record what's uh what's the the schedule what's the plan how far along are you we're a couple songs. We're a couple songs deep and a bunch of ideas deep. Okay. Um, I don't know how many ideas that would, you know, quantify into yet. <laughs> um, our goal is to be in the studio late winter, early spring, um, which is you know we're hoping for like April ish somewhere okay. in there. We want to have a new album out by the summer. Yeah. We want to. It might be before that, but we want to have a new album out by far, like for the summer for sure, just so we can be out on the road mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, you know, that's great. And so, uh, if you got all the songs, other than those few ideas, do you have all the songs like fully baked, or do you kind of bring them into the studio and and polish them off there? I mean, what's your writing flow like? By the time we get to the studio, our songs are like ninety five percent baked. Right, it's that five percent for okay. We maybe we have to tweak the solo, or maybe mm-hmm. we want to add a harmony, or. You know, maybe we want to do some different things vocally, or yeah. maybe Drew wants me to add some vocals, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be. Um, so, I mean, they're they're pretty baked by the time they get there. I'm a couple. Uh, one of the songs, "Cryogenic Awakening," we've been playing for about six months. Wow. Um, you know, it's it was right after we finished the last record. Mm-hmm. Well, not right after, but a while after we did, but we've been playing it for a while and it's, it seems to be going over really well. That's great. Um, our goal is our, our next show, which I think is getting announced today. Um, can you break some news here on blast? Uh, yeah, I can, I can. I don't think, I don't think the guys will be mad. Um, <laughs> if they are, sorry, call me later and complain. Um, we were, uh, we were gonna, the, the Nile show, uh, was supposed to be our last show of mm-hmm. the year. Um, that was every intention of being that. But when our friends, which Den asked us to play their CD release show, Ooh. uh, we're like, yeah, we have to, I recorded the record. Yeah. Um, Tom has actually filled in for the band. We're very great friends. That's um, great. So we're going to be doing their CD release show, which is December 21st. Fun. So that will actually be our last show of the year. We're hoping to play two or three new ones by then. Hopefully that sounds really exciting. Yep. Well, Will, it's been an amazing time having you here. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, we can spend three or four more hours, but, uh, you know. We're talkers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to take people out uh, with uh, the last song, the title track mm-hmm. from your first record. This one is Retribution Divine. Will, thanks again for being here. Thanks, Jason.
That was Coffin Rod with Retribution Divine. You are listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, Will Maravellas, thanks again for being on the show from Coffin Rod. Uh, and stay tuned for more new stuff from them. They actually just announced, broke the news right here on Blast Beats and Bicycles of their last show of the year. They're going to be playing the Witch Den CD release party on December 21st. And we'll make sure you get the details on that 